Hello and welcome. Today I will be reading Neville Goddard's lecture from 1964 titled Jesus or Barabbas. I noticed in the last two recordings that I did that the sound of the fan going in my house uh, could be heard and I apologize for that. But it is cold here in Colorado, so I have the heater going and um, the fan's going. And I'm not willing to turn it off <laughs> because I don't like the cold. So anyway, thought I would let you guys know if you hear that. It's just the, the heater going in the house. So, um, And I noticed that it started, uh, it tapered off after a while. So I uh, just wanted to let you guys know. All right, so let's get into this lecture titled Jesus or Barabbas. So uh, Neville tells his audience, uh, John is my favorite, really. So actually, actually, the, the first part of the sentence um, was missing. So uh, I don't know. My guess is he referenced, uh, possibly said something like, of all of the Gospels, John is my favorite, really. Um, that would seem to make the most sense for this sentence. But anyway, uh, so in the 18th chapter of the Gospel of John, Pilate is speaking to the Jews, and he turned to the Jews and he said, You have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. Who would you have me release? The king of the Jews? And they cried out, Not this man, but Barabbas. Then he adds, Now Barabbas was a robber. Verse 39 through 40. Now we know nothing of any such amnesty as a custom. It is not attested outside the gospel. You can't find it as a custom at all. Therefore, it's a mystery. We have to start digging for the mystery, for it's not a custom. And so we are told, just like an aside, Barabbas was a robber. So you have to start searching the scripture to find out what is this robber. Where is he now? Now listen to it carefully. Also in John, you'll find this in the 10th chapter of the Gospel of John. He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens to him. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Verses 1-7 through seven. Then we are told... They did not understand what he was saying to them. And so he said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. They didn't understand him. Any attempt to acquire anything in this world without the consciousness of the thing that you would acquire makes you a thief and a robber. The consciousness of health produces health. The consciousness of wealth produces wealth. You could inherit this very night a million dollars. Without the consciousness of wealth, you'd spend it. You'd waste it. In fact, it would vanish from you. You can't hold it. You can only hold that which you are aware of being. So the story is a revelation to man. Now you pass judgment. Without me, you can do nothing. Honestly, nothing. That's what we are told. If you abide in me and I abide in you, then you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. John fifteen five. 
So you pass judgment. Will you accept it? May I tell you, you are not going to find him outside of yourself. Tonight, there are in this country of ours, well, hundreds. How many millions? Hundred or 190 million, they claim? Well, take the world. They claim a billion Christians are in the world. I hate to be harsh in my judgment, but I don't imagine that an nth part of an nth part of 1% have accepted Jesus. They think they've accepted him, but they haven't, because they have some image of it being on a wall, or some being in their mind's eye that they turn to mentally as Jesus. And that's not Jesus. Jesus is your own wonderful human imagination. <clears throat> when you say, I am, that's he. Will you trust him? No, I trust another Jesus. Well, then you don't know Jesus. By him, all things are made, and you can easily find him if you accept that claim. Apart from me, you can do nothing. All right, here is a simple story told me this week. A man remembers the place in Denver where he slept, and by his own confession, in his, in his case, history, as I received it yesterday morning, he said he slept in a basement, next to a deep freeze. And so he didn't tell me why he wanted to return to Denver, <clears throat> just to experiment, and so in his imagination he slept in the same basement next to the deep freeze. Just one night he assumed that he was there. Physically he was here, but in his imagination he slept there. The next day was Sunday, so he called on a friend, and while at the man's table the man turned to him casually and said, By the way, how would you like to go to Denver? We are going to Denver to visit my brethren. How would you like to make the trip with us? A gift. The very next day another party said to him, Casually, how would you like to go to Denver? Of all the things in the world, two invitations to go to Denver, he, in imagination, occupied a state, and the state is Denver. And then in 24 hours, one invitation, and 48 hours, the second. Who did it? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, how's it he found Jesus? Then who was Jesus? Wasn't Jesus his own wonderful human imagination? Well, who was doing it? Apart from him, you can do nothing. If I saw you reading a book, well, who's doing it? Jesus. I am reading a book. Apart from me, you can't read a book. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't be anything other than through the consciousness of being it. And so, <clears throat> will we accept Jesus? Is the only Jesus in the world? I don't care what the world will tell me, that is Jesus. He creates everything in the world, and apart from him, you can do nothing. If you abide in me and I abide in you, then you'll bear much fruit. If you do not abide in me, then you're, several, or then you're severed from the vine, for I am the vine. So here the trial takes place, and you'll have me release one, and who will you have me release? The king of the Jews. <clears throat> they said, No, Barabbas. So they chose Barabbas, and Barabbas rules over them to this day. On one level, you take it that way. On a deeper level, when you come to another portion of John, he said, Now that you have found me, don't let me go, but let all these go. And therefore, if you don't let me go, well, you've released the robber from consciousness on another level. 
But on the level that we treated here this night, man has chosen Barabbas, and he would not accept as his leader, as his God, Jesus. No matter how many statues you have of Jesus, how many paintings you think you have of him, you're never really seen, or you've never really seen him until you see him. And when you see him, you see yourself. That's the grand I am. And the day will come you'll meet him. You look right into the face of yourself, beautiful, glorified, beyond your wildest dream, and itself. That's Jesus. And so you either accept him or you reject him. If you reject him, then you've made your choice and you've taken Barabbas. Barabbas, the thief and the robber. Man tries morning, noon, and night to become other than what he is conscious of being, and he can't do it. You could this night simply assume that you are the man, the woman that you want to be. Just a mere assumption that you are it, then looking into the face of others mentally, of course, and let them see you as they would see you were it true, do nothing to make it so but nothing, and it will become so. You will actually grow into the character that you've assumed that you are. Whether it be a rich man, a poor man, a wise man, a fool, anything in this world, you choose it, you choose the man, the woman that you want to be, and dare to assume that you are it. If you dare to assume that you are it and sleep as though you were, well, then you will become it, and then you have found him. How did I find him? Well, by him all things were made, and without him there's nothing made that is made. John 1.3 so if you become it, then you've found the maker of the thing that you become, and you found Jesus. You've found him as your own wonderful, loving human imagination. And may I tell you, I use the word loving advisedly, for when you meet him, he's infinite love. Everything in the world that you thought, well, inanimate and not alive, and certainly, if it was alive and different to all that's taking place in the world, and one day you have an experience where it isn't so at all. It's all love. But everything in the world is love and it's all God. And God is your own wonderful I amness. So tonight you pass judgment on it. You can accept it or reject it. I know you would find it difficult to have such confidence in this form of Jesus. And this reality, reality that is Jesus. It's so much easier to lean upon another to get on that telephone and call a friend. Have the friend do it for you, or call a teacher, or in between, the doctor, the dentist, someone else, but not self. And so to actually assume full responsibility and take the whole thing upon self and call that Jesus, it's so much more difficult. But may I tell you, eventually you're going to do it. Everyone will accept the only Jesus, and that's the only Jesus. There's no other, and there never was another, in spite of the one billion this night who believe in another. And so, the one of whom I speak this night, you'll find him if you look carefully and dig. You'll find out all was told in the Gospels. So I ask you to believe in this Jesus. I found him, would like to share it with you, share what I've found with you. As you're told, he who sent me, I'm just like him. He who sees me, sees him who sent me. And he who receives anyone, I send, receives me. He who receives me, receives him who sent me. Then you get right back to the one who sent me. 
Well, how could I be sent by myself? I am sent by myself. I am then self-begotten. Yes, begotten by myself. And the being that I really am is a being that in my blindness I thought lived centuries ago and lived elsewhere, and he wasn't there at all. I'm not saying it's the easier thing, or the, it's the easiest thing in this world to accept, but accept it you will one day, if you have not already accepted, but accept it you will one day if you have not already accepted it. My hope is that you will accept it if you have it so far. Accept it tonight. Let your judgment be. I will accept the king of the Jews. The king of the Jews? Well, who is he? I am. When you go into the world, go and tell them I am has sent you. Exodus 3.14 So sit quietly and prove that I am he. When you do it, you'll prove it, and no power in the world can stop you from proving it. Having proved it, you are free of all idols. But man has made of Jesus the grand I am. Have made of him an idol. You don't believe in the Lord Jesus and be saved. Well, the word Lord is I am. Believe in the I am that is my I am and be saved, you and your household. But man, when you use the word Jesus, he always thinks in terms of a man living elsewhere or who lived 2,000 years ago. He never thinks of Jesus as I am. And that's how you spell the name. It's really yad heh ba shin i n. The shin is put into it for a very good reason. Rather than yad heh va heh, it's yad heh va shin i n. Shin is a consuming flame which enables every man in this world not only to create but to unmake what he's made. He makes something if he had to live with it forever and then he couldn't unmake it. So a shin is put into the name of the creative power of God. For yad heh is God, I am, but I am in action, which is imagining. A shin is in the name. The shin is a consuming flame. Its symbol is a tooth. A tooth crushes, it consumes. And so I make something, I don't like it now, I want to unmake it. Were it not that I contain within me, or in myself, a shin, I couldn't unmake it. I couldn't undo my mistakes. But I can do all. I can undo all of my mistakes when I know who made the mistake. I made it. I can unmake it. So a shin is in the name. The last one is an I, an I in, and that is an I. I see clearly what I want to see, in spite of the facts of life. And if imagining creates reality, well, then I can create. I don't have to limit my vision to the facts of life, for I make facts. I create facts. So he creates all the facts of the world by knowing who he is. So I will now say, will you release Barabbas and hold on to Jesus, or will you now pick Barabbas and reject Jesus? That's entirely up to you. No one in this world can force him on you, because really, in one sense of the word, Real spirituality is a gradual transition from a God of tradition to a God of experience. And so, when you have the experience, you know that's all there is to it. You don't have to turn anyone in the world to ask him, Did it really work because I did so and so? Ask no one. Try again and see. Now, the same gentleman who told me the story of Denver 
he writes of a lady. Because of an age condition, she couldn't get a job, couldn't find a job, because you're beyond a certain age limit. So she turned to him and asked him to help. He said, it only took 48 hours. I simply imagined that she had told me that she had a job, a good job, and she liked the job. And for 48 hours, she was employed and now working for the civil service. He said, she said to him before he imagined, should I lie about my age? He said, no, don't lie about your age. You'll find out, or they'll find out. They have ways of finding out. Tell them your age, just what you are. I don't care what they tell you about your age. You tell them exactly how old you are. And for 88 hours, she was working. Yet prior to that, she was turned down, turned down, turned down. All that he did was simply he imagined that she told him that she had a marvelous job and she loved it and they loved her. The entire office staff. That's all that he did. Well, if apart from me you can do nothing, and who is speaking? Jesus. Well then, who is Jesus? What did the man do? If I said to him, what are you doing? I am imagining that she has a job. Well, he told me Jesus is doing it. But he didn't use the word Jesus as the world thinks. But he did because Jesus <clears throat> is I am. And so in everyone, Jesus is buried, but everyone. We carry him within us, within our bodies. We are told we carry the death of Jesus. That's what we are told in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4.10. In our bodies, we carry the death of Jesus because man is unaware of him. And that of which I am unaware doesn't exist for me. A thing has no existence for a man save through the consciousness that he has of it. So the man is totally unaware that he is carrying the actual death of Jesus within him. That he bears on his body the marks of Jesus. He said, henceforth let no one trouble me. For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. But if I don't know it, well then it doesn't exist for me. I could read these words over and over, say, in Galatians, verse six seventeen, But if I don't know it, if I haven't had the experience that I actually bear on my body the marks of Jesus, well then, I don't know it. So I can tell you, and maybe you yourself can read it, but you have to experience it. <clears throat> so we are gradually moving from a God of tradition, which is a false concept of God, to a God of experience where man experiences God. And then he knows, and then you find Jesus. And having found him, do not let him go. Now that you've found me, he said, let these go, but don't let me go. This takes place in the garden prior to the trial. So they come out with the staves to find one in the darkness of the night. They can't see him because this is a dark night. He said, whom do you seek? Well, we seek Jesus, I am he. These are the words I'm quoting, I am he. Didn't say I am Jesus, I am he. And so they all fell to the ground. Now you can't conceive of hundreds of people hearing a man from the dark say, I am he. And that all would fall to the ground, would they? The shock was so great when man discovers it, he, or when, when man discovers it, he mentally falls to the ground. The whole thing is taking place in man. I can't believe it, for mother taught me that this was a little boy who was born unnaturally. 
God came into the world in this peculiar, marvelous way, and that he rose to manhood, then died for us. He was sacrificed on a wooden cross. That's what she taught me, and that's what I believed. That's what I flogged for when I went to school, because I miss, or that's what I got flogged for when I went to school. Because I misquoted a passage of scripture and so beaten unmercifully by some sadist. But that's not the story. And when I heard it, I heard it from the lips of one who was not born a Christian. I heard it from the lips of one who was not in the Caucasian race. He was a Negro. Here I actually heard the mystery. Christianity. But what a blow to me. Everything that I believed in tumbled within me. I represented that crowd taking Jesus. And I thought I would hear him or hear from him something comparable to what I heard from my mother, and it wasn't. The shock was so great, whatever I held within me that was dear all fell to the ground. I had to rebuild my world from ashes practically and then gradually begin to believe in a true Jesus and prove it. He said, Come prove me and see. Come test me and see second Corinthians thirteen five. So how could I test him? Then you start to treat him, or then you start to test him. For can I imagine that I am what at the moment reason denies, what anyone would deny, that I could ever become and dare to simply assume that I am it? Not that I'm going to become it, that I am already that being and sleep as though I really am. And then in a way that I could not devise that I'd become that being. I actually mold myself into the very likeness of the being that I dared to assume that I am. Becoming it, then I found him. Then when you begin to discuss it, man or wise men tried to dethrone you. Two years ago, back in Barbados, my two nephews came out from Cambridge. They just recently graduated in medicine. We were discussing on the beach, and one, Michael, said to me, Uncle Neville, you don't believe in Jesus? <coughs> I said, Michael, I believe more in Jesus than 100 million people who claim they believe in Jesus. Put all their beliefs together, I would, it would not equal my belief in Jesus. But Uncle Neville, you say that as a man, that man wasn't born from a woman called Mary. I said, but Michael, I am Mary. I am Mary. He said, Uncle Neville, how could you be Mary? I am Mary. I am Mary. And birth to Christ must give. Uncle Neville, how could you be Mary? I am Mary. I am Mary, and birth to Christ must give. I have to give birth to Christ. I am Mary. And so I found him. And I was actually blessed because I gave birth to him. I actually became him. I didn't give birth to something other than myself. Michael, I gave birth to myself. I actually gave birth to my own being. And then, when I gave birth to it, I discovered who I really am. For the one that called him, one of the great mystery, the same one called my or called the, me father. Therefore, who am I, Michael? He said, what you're telling me doesn't make sense, Uncle Neville. You're telling me, without using these words, you're going all around the circle to try to tell me that you think you are he. I said, I don't have to think it, Michael, I am he, but so are you, but you don't know it yet. You don't know it yet, and you're denying him. 
Although you think that you have found him, and you think you have six years at Cambridge, and your brother Roger, he has six years at Cambridge, you married two lovely girls, one an ardent Catholic and one from Scotland, I dare say a good Presbyterian. And the four of you really believe in Jesus, and your Uncle Neville doesn't believe in Jesus. But I have found Jesus, the living Jesus, not something that died 2,000 years ago, but something that is alive in all of us. But you've got to find him. And so I will tell you about Jesus, if you will listen, and then you pass judgment. You either accept the Jesus or reject him. It's entirely up to you. And we had these lovely discussions on the beach. But I left him unmoved, completely unmoved. He has to go through. He's a doctor, and he knows that you go into the lab, and he makes up his little potions, and he simply gets results today, and maybe not tomorrow under similar conditions. One day he's going to find Jesus, because everyone must find him. When he finds him, he believes in him. Believe in the Lord Jesus and be saved, you and your household. Take your whole household with you and save them by actually turning only to Jesus. And Jesus is your own wonderful, loving human imagination. That's Jesus. So you find him, and when you find him, you test him. As you test him and he proves himself in the testing, you try to share with others what you have found and hope they will listen. Listen to the word. One was on his way from Jerusalem, armed with letters to all the synagogues, that if he found anyone along the way who were the people of the way, he would bring them bound in Ju into Jerusalem. And on the way, looking for people who belonged to the way, he heard a voice, and the voice said, <clears throat> Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Who are you, Lord? And the voice answered, Jesus, Acts 9, 4. But Jesus in Hebrew is Joshua, and Joshua is I am. He heard it from the depths of his soul, the being from within himself. And they were the people of the way. All right, go back and read the story. How is the way defined in scripture? He said, I am the way. The way to what? The way to everything in the world, but specifically to the Father. I am the way, and no one comes to, to the Father but by me. Verses John, uh, John 14.6 You can't possibly come to the Father save you come by me. And so who are you? Well, I am. The strange part about it, when you meet the one son who calls you Father, his name in scripture was I am. The name was Jesse. So you see, you can't come to the Father but by me. Well, who are you? Okay, I just lost. Okay. I am. I am he. So I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Revealed. I am everything, but I am the way to all things. And I am the truth. So if I am the truth, then truth need not be confined to facts. A true judgment need not conform to the external fact to which it, re it relates. That's a piano, I know, but I may desire something in the place of the piano. I must begin to see in my mind's eye what I want to see there instead of a piano. If I persist in seeing it, I'm not going to go mad. 
someone's going to come in here and say, you know, we're going to change this entire place. And they think they initiated the desire to remove the piano and put the flowers that I'm seeing there. They will take full credit for the change in this room when they are only executing the imaginal act of one who was persistent in that act and just didn't accept anything other than what he imagined. So they go forward and change the things to conform to someone imagining, and that one imagining has found his Christ. He's found him, and he isn't going elsewhere. So tonight the great trial is on, this whole week, and they'll tell the story this coming Friday. I know many a wet eye will be in the churches this Friday because I myself, as a boy, when they dramatized it as they did, they always made me cry. So they dramatized the story. Three hours this coming Friday, and if you are emotionally given to life, you will cry, too, the way they dramatize it. But that's not the story. They should cry for the one billion who have rejected him, and they think they have accepted him. They have not accepted Christ. If they accepted him, they wouldn't make all the preparations to defend themselves as they do. They would simply know that he is love, infinite love. And the day will come you will have experiences that all who have found him have, and they will find everything speaking love, but everything. Without the aid of mescaline, without the aid of any artificial, I would say, injection, you don't have to. One day you will actually look at this room, or look at the street, or look at any place, and suddenly the whole thing comes alive to you. The whole thing will come alive. Even though, after the experience, it goes back to its normal. You can never forget the experience. The whole thing was alive. When I say alive, it was communing and it was all love. The so-called inanimate things, all love. You and I were placed here, as Blake said. Put on earth a little space that we may learn to bear the beams of love. We can't bear them yet. We are put here a little space to learn to bear the beams of love. For the day will come that you are one with the whole vast creative power of the universe. And you are it. You'll see the whole thing that was made out of love. There's no other substance in the world, but while we're in it, so much of it seems horrible. So, I'm asking you today to go back and read it and bring it in your own verdict. For you are the pilot. And you are Jesus, and you are Barabbas, and the drama takes place in you. So as you read the story, let the whole thing take place in you. Will I release Barabbas as the world has done, or will I take now Jesus? And so hold on to Jesus, and then live by him, morning, noon, and night. Walk just as though you were he. Don't be embarrassed. Now for what was he condemned? We're told in the scriptures, ask the question, what was it? He said, why do you stone me? For what good work do you stone me? And they answered, not for any good work, but for blasphemy. Because you, being a man, make yourself God, John ten thirty two. Aren't you a man? Well, that was what he was stoned for, blasphemy. Because being a man, he dared to make himself God. For he said, I and my father are one, and my father is he whom you call God.
Only I know my Father, and you know not your God, and my Father and I are one. John 8:19 and 10:30. So they took up stones to cast at him. Not stones from the street, but all the facts of life, for they knew exactly where this man, who dared to claim that he is God, where he was born, they knew his entire environment. They knew the family life, everything about him, and he dared to make this bold claim, and so, for blasphemy, he was stoned with the facts of life. For he claimed he was not of this world. The day will come you'll have an experience which is not in this world, an experience far more real than anything here. You will know you are not in this world. Your earthly father, yes, you honor him. You love him, but you know he's not your father. And you can't point to anyone who is your father. You have no father. You're like Melchizedek. You have no father. You have no mother. You have no ancestors for your one. With the cause, that is the origin of all. Therefore, you have no ancestor. Because actually, the only one that could call you father was the one that God said, You are my son. Psalm 2-7 If he called God father, and then he called you father, and God has no ancestor, then who are you? You are one with the origin that caused it all to come to, into being. So isn't that blasphemy? Isn't that the most arrogant claim in the world? A simple little you, man, these are the words. I stone you for blasphemy because you, being man, dare to claim that you are God. Who else can claim it? And so you don't talk about it. This is all a mystery. It's all written in our scripture for us that man really suddenly becomes aware that it's all about himself. It's not about someone else. It's all about himself. He goes back and reads it. He can hardly believe it until the visions begin to appear within him. And one after the other confirms this impressive or this impression that he is the one spoken of in scripture. And then the entire thing unfolds within him word after word, and then he knows that the whole thing is true, but it's true of everyone in this world, and so go and tell it in the hope that they will accept it. So when the one heard it, Lord Jesus, have I been persecuting you? And then the voice came from within him, I am he. So he then stood in the presence of a judge. This one, while this judge, was now a king. King Agrippa, and he said to him, Why should it be thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? He had the experience, for he tells us in the very first chapter of Galatians, he had the experience. He said, When it pleased God to reveal his Son in me, I conferred not with flesh and blood, verse 16, so the Son was revealed in him. Doesn't name the Son, but the Son revealed in him, was David, and David called him Father. Then he knew the ancient scripture for the first time. He went out to persecute all the people belonging to the way, for he didn't quite know the definition of the way was, I am the way. <clears throat> so he thought there was some little ism gathered together, and then when he had it revealed to him, for it pleased God to reveal his son in me. And when it pleased God to reveal his son in me, I conferred not with flesh and blood. To whom would I go? So you will have it. 
everyone will have it. But in the meantime, believe me, don't believe in Neville. Believe in Christ within yourself. Believe in your own wonderful I amness. Believe there. Accept him 100% as Lord. Believe in the Lord, the I am, my I am, and be saved. Saved from what? Saved from anything that now is my problem. If I am unemployed and, an, and employment is my solution to my problem, believe I am gainfully employed. If today I am unwell and a state of health is my problem, believe I am gainfully er, health. Okay, and a state of health is my solution to my problem. Dare to claim, as told us in the book of Joel, let the weak man say, I'm strong, verse 310. While he's weak, let him say, I am strong. And let him persuade himself that claim is true. <clears throat> Tomorrow or the next day, the not distant future, he begins to radiate the health that he dared to claim that is his. While he calls upon whose name? He called upon the name of God because he was saying, I am strong. That's what we are told in the book of Joel. Let the weak man say, I am strong. Let the poor man say, I am rich. Let the unknown say, I am known. If that's what he wants in this world, and everything comes into this world because he's called upon the only name that can respond and create in the world. There's no other name under heaven by which man is saved Save the name. Well, in the scripture, when you read it, the name is Jesus. But get into your mind, the word Jesus actually means I am. That's what it means. So this night, when you go to bed, let your prayers be simply <clears throat> an internal communion with self. And dare to clothe yourself in your assumption, just as though it were fact. And live in it, just as though it's true. May I tell you, it will come true. So the choice is man's, Barabbas or Jesus. Just as simple as that. And the world has rejected Jesus even though a billion claim that they've accepted him. That's why I told you the story of my two nephews. And I speak for all the family. I had my two brothers in New York this past November. <clears throat> one is a doctor, the father of these two doctors. And the other one is the head of all the businesses. Well, we didn't get into deep discussions, but at intervals we would. But Lawrence, the doctor, and Victor, the businessman, they can't go along with me, yet they wanted to see every church in New York City. I saw more churches this past November. I went to all churches, lovely feeling, all of them, peeling out lovely organ music, everything was lovely about it, but I didn't feel any different when I came out. But they loved to just sit in the silence and drink in something lovely. Perfectly all right. <clears throat> but I went from church to church, Catholic churches, all the Protestant churches, every kind of church. And so they loved it. But we didn't get into the deep discussion concerning what these things represented. I took them to St. Thomas's Church, this glorious painting, these glass-stained windows, beauties. On one side, looking north, tapestries, and I said to my brother Victor, You see these tapestries? Yes, I said, you know, behind them are the most glorious stained glass windows, but the tapestry hides them. He said, why? I said, because a man who has built so many churches in this country, who gave them, his name was Rockefeller. This was the first one who made the billions, and he had a fight <clears throat> with the bishop of his church. This is St. Thomas's church. 
His home came right up against the wall, the north wall of the church, St. Thomas's church, so he built a, a spite wall, built it right up to the very top of St. Thomas's church. Couldn't stop him. It was his property, his money, his bricks, and the whole thing was blocked out so no one little ray of light could enter that church from the north. <coughs> Excuse me, but when you look to the west, the glorious burst of light, when you look south, all these lovely lights coming through the stained glass windows. But here they couldn't have that blackness because you saw the glass, but not a thing coming through. So someone gave these beautiful tapestries, but it should all be nothing but sheer beautiful light coming through. So here he built a lovely church on Riverdale Drive. Riverdale Drive and 125th Street is this wonderful church that Rockefeller built. But he left a will that no one could break, for the old boy has been gone for years. His son couldn't break it, and his grandsons can't break it, and their sons can't break it. He so left that will, that wall cannot be brought down, and so all was done in the name of Jesus Christ, for he was a good Baptist. He gave millions and millions to the Baptist. He's a good Baptist. The bishop is the head of the Episcopal Church. St. Thomas is on 55th Street. So here I tell you, let us find the real Jesus. Victor didn't find him in that church. And when I told the story to Vic, he said, Well, I always thought much of that man. I admired him as a businessman. But now he's gone all the way down in my estimation because he saw what spite could do. Yet he died believing he was a believer in Jesus. Never found him. But now don't you die from this little sphere without finding him. If tonight you're disturbed, you take it. Under submission, take it home with you and sleep on it and feel the nearness of Jesus as your own wonderful human imagination. I can't begin to tell you when you accept him, in the true sense, what begins to happen within you. You become alive, something in the head becomes alive, and you can feel it. May I tell you, long before the experience of the birth from above, I began to sense something alive in my skull actually could feel a pulsing, a pulsation alive in the skull. You could feel it move up and down, move all over. At night you go to bed and that lovely sensing something alive. I dare say you can call the spiritual pregnancy. And so all of a sudden, when I least expected it, the event happened as recorded. And not a thing changed, just as told in scripture. Well, if he is the only one who was born that way, and I know I was, then am I not he? And when you duplicate the same experience, are you not he? And if only Jesus is born that way, haven't you found Jesus? Because you found him as your own I amness. Because when you awake, you are awake and you come out. It's only coming out. Or it's you coming out. Then three men come and take away the body and the body's all taken away. And three men are there. You know the three men of scripture and... There they are. Every symbol is true and perfect. The wind that you are told in the second chapter of the book of Acts, verse 2. That same strange unearthly wind is present. So when you go through the experience, the identical experience, are you not he? There's only one. That's I am. You can say it in the depths of your soul. Just I am. That's it. But now begin to believe it. And then you test it. And he proves himself in the testing. 
what chance would you put it down to? A man sleeping only in imagination in Denver just as a joke? But he sleeps there, next to the deep freeze in the basement, and then casually calls on a friend the next day. And the man turns to him without prompting and asks him if he'd like to make the trip to Denver, that he's going to see his brother. And then the very next day, another invitation to go to Denver. How could you cast that aside as a mere coincidence? That's not. You can try it tonight. I tell you, I tried it, and I don't ever do it anymore just as a joke, because whenever I do it, it's going to work. When I least expect it, <coughs> I'm on my way to fulfill the journey when I don't want to make the journey. I am moved under compulsion, for outer moments are compelled. It's the inner motion that is self-determined, that is casual. All that outer motions are all under compulsion. And so I don't want to do it now and make it real. And then tomorrow when I don't want to go, be moved by compulsion. I had to go, so don't treat it lightly. For he will hold you not responsible for it. And he doesn't care because he's doing it. Who's doing it? Your own wonderful human imagination. Tonight you bring in your verdict. Don't tell me. Just sit there quietly and say I will accept that Jesus or I don't accept it. I prefer the one that my mother taught about, the one that I have at home in a book, where I can look at the picture of something. So, if you want that Jesus, all right, I wouldn't take him from you. Go on with that Jesus until you find the living Jesus. That's why you're told, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know when he appears we shall be like him. 1 John 3, 2. So always ask yourself, do I look like him in my mind's eye? No? Well, then he hasn't yet appeared. Because when he appears, you're going to be like him. You're going to see exactly your own being magnified and beautified to the nth degree. That's the being. Now let us go into the silence. All right, there we have Neville Goddard's lecture from 1964 titled Jesus or Barabbas. Thank you so much for joining me. See you guys next time. Bye now.